you know, maybe maybe you're uh, you're part of those that just uh, you're, you're not real comfortable being put in the corner and being asked a question like that. You know, the question is, you know, do you believe in God? And maybe, you know, I understand some of us, we like talking about things like that. Some of us were not as comfortable, maybe, you know, trying to answer the question you know, whether God exists or not, or it's even on your radar that that you believe and, and it might be something you just don't like. It's kind of like this. This pastor was talking to his three year old little girl and they were going to bed, getting ready for bed. And he was tucking her in. And so it's time for prayer. And he asks his three year old little girl, um, what, what do you want to pray about? And his three year old little girl said, Daddy, I want to pray about onions. And and he said, okay. well, he didn't want to, you know, discourage her from, you know, her desire to pray. And so she he helped her and they prayed about onions. Well, the next morning while they were eating breakfast, he couldn't help himself. He asks her, he says, honey, why did you pray for onions last night? And she said, well, daddy, in your sermon, you said that we should pray for things that we don't like. And I don't like onions. (laughs) I I, I love that. I love that. Um, You know, and. uh, and, and we, we come to this passage this morning, <clears throat> John chapter 14, looking at verse 5 and 6. And, and what's happening, Jesus is talking about heaven and he's, you know, he's kind of interacting with the disciples. And I love that when we look at the word of God and we read scripture and there is this interaction that's happening because it shows, shows Jesus as, as being so very human. But yet we know who Jesus Christ really is, but it shows him, you know, interacting and being very human. And he's talking about heaven and all of that. And then Thomas, he's just really being real here. And he responds because Jesus is talking about, you know, this place that his father, you know, God, is creating for us that is in heaven and that that he's going to go there and he's going to come back and, you know, bring us, get us that we might go where, you know, where his father is. Of course, we're talking about heaven. And then Thomas, being very real, being very simple, he says this. To Jesus, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus answered, listen to this, Jesus' response was, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so obvious, Thomas was wanting to know the way, and so Jesus, he gives him this response, and I'm thinking in my mind as I'm talking about trying to figure out, you know, the right way or what is the way, you know, it's good when you're lost that you find the right ways. It's good when you find your way. Anybody ever been lost in here? I mean, if you were to be honest, you know, everybody, okay, if you've been lost, you know, there's some anxiety, maybe a little bit of fear goes with it, but... It's good to be able to find your way when you get lost. I'll never forget one time when I got lost, it it was on purpose. And you're thinking, well, why would it be on purpose? Well, bear with me, because when I I was lost, it was on purpose because I was uh, actually taking a test for my private pilot license. And in fact, I had flown from Burley, Idaho, where I was uh, you know, based with the instructor there, and I flew to Blackfoot, Idaho. It's not very far, not very long flight to Blackfoot, Idaho, and I landed there early that morning. I'd taken my my written test, which takes about three hours. I slam dunked the written test, and then I I took the oral test where you sit down and they they quiz you orally for about an hour and a half, and I slam dunked that one. And the last part of the test is you go up in the plane for about an hour and a half. And so I went out on the tarmac. I had my piece of paper. They had signed me off that I'd passed the written test, the oral test, and it's time for the practical test. And they had signed me to an FAA certification agent 
a federal agent by the name of Max Gibson. And so I went out on the tarmac, and there was Max Gibson. He was standing about where Marling is right now. And so I stood about this far away from him, and I was waiting because Max Gibson was talking to another gentleman, kind of a tall guy in jeans and a leather jacket and really cool, you know, flying sunglasses. And Max Gibson was signing his logbook because this man had just finished taking his test, and he had just passed and was getting this private pilot license. And so as soon as that man began to walk away, I moved up like that. And the first thing Max Gibson said to me, he said, you know who that is? And I said, no. He says, that's Harrison Ford, the movie star, had just got his license the same day by the same guy that I did. So needless to say, my experience in passing the private pilot uh, flying test was uh, exhilarating right off the bat. Well, we get in the plane, we take off, and we start doing some pattern work, as they call it. We were doing some takeoff and landings or touch and goes and and just kind of, you know, working on the communications, talking with the tower. And so as I begin my test with Max Gibson, I'm thinking to myself, I was nervous now. I was thinking to myself, I've got this. Man, this is I I can handle this. I mean, this is kind of simple stuff. I got it. And I, I began to think about how that is so much like life itself. You know, life is kind of a test. And we begin out in life and maybe, you know, we go to school, high school, and maybe for some of us, high school's good or maybe high school's bad. I don't know. But we get out of high school and we get our first job, right? And maybe we go to college and we're doing well in college. And, and we kind of say, man, I've got this. And we just kind of have a handle on this thing. And we're doing really well because, you know, life is pretty cool. But then all of a sudden, in my experience, all of a sudden, once you get out of college and maybe you get married, maybe have a couple kids, maybe you stay single for a while, but all of a sudden, life kind of hits you right upside the head. And this life that seems like it's so, you know, so organized and so well planned and this this imagination that we have that we are going to be something and we're going to achieve something, all of a sudden life hits us sideways and we're in this thunderstorm of situations and we're wondering how in the world are we going to make it through this? And we are in this upset attitude In this upset attitude, and we're trying to kind of bring it back to the straight and level and try to find balance in life. And that's exactly what I experienced when I was with Max Gibson. And after we left the traffic pattern area, we went out into the practice area. And that is an area that is safe to do maneuvers and practice. And he then took the plane and he had me close my eyes and he put it in the upset attitude position. And that means that he takes the plane and he puts it in a really hairy position, like straight up, like this, and the wings cockeyed sideways. And then he says, open your eyes. And what you have to do is you have to bring the plane back out of crisis mode, back out of stalling mode, back to straight and level and healthy flight. And you see on the plane, you have this attitude indicator and the top half is blue and the bottom half is black. There's a little plane in the window. And if the plane is in the blue, you push it too because your nose is high. If the plane is in the black, you pull it back because your nose is down. And so in upset attitude maybe the plane's kind of like this and he says open your eyes and you pull it back and you bring it level and he does it again and again and again to make sure you can handle it when you're in an upset attitude and folks sometimes life puts you in an upset attitude and you're wondering how are you going to make it and you didn't plan on this as you started out or maybe you started your 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 marriage and you marry a beautiful woman like I did my wife Heidi she's right here And then our first child is born and we find out that our child is disabled and our child has Down syndrome and autistic and she has about six different syndromes and and it felt like we lived in an upside, upset attitude for about 18 years. 
trying to figure it out because life had hit us and knocked us sideways. And I don't know about you, but man, when you're, you're in this upset attitude, you're wondering, how can I ever get balanced and how can I make it on the straight and level? Well, we look at this passage and Jesus is talking to Thomas. And I love the attention that Jesus gives Thomas because, you see, Jesus' response was very clear. He, 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 gives, them, he gives them direction. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life that, that even though I may make a lot of good decisions and I may plan well, that sometimes everything that I do is not enough. And I need to know there is something more, there is something better. And, 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 and I, I believe that even in the midst of, of the turmoil, that there is hope and there is an answer, even when it feels like you're lost. Max Gibson did the same thing. He, he, he made sure that I was lost. Remember, I was lost on purpose because they get you lost on purpose when you get in your private pilot license. And what he did is he put foggles on me. You know what foggles are? Foggles are like goggles, but they're kind of whited out. You can't see through them. And so it makes you blind. There's just a little slit at the bottom so you can see the instruments. And he puts the foggles on you. And then the, the FAA agent flies for about 20 or 30 minutes. And he flies you to some place you've never been. And folks, when you're at 6,000, thousand feet there are no road signs there are no landmarks you are lost and so he he flies about 140 miles an hour and and we're lost and he's getting me lost and my heart's beating out of my chest my hands are sweating my palms are wet and i can barely hang on to the yoke and now that he's got me lost he takes the foggles off he says okay find our way back home and now i'm sitting in this cockpit and remember about four seats small little cockpit we're so close that our shoulders are rubbing my heart is beating my hands are sweaty And I've got a federal agent judging everything that I'm doing. And I've got to find my way. Folks, I know sometimes in life, we're just lost. And sometimes we need help and we need direction. Well, praise the Lord, God gave me what I call an instructor to teach me how to find my way when I'm lost. And so I had this instruction that showed me how to find my way when I'm lost and away from the airport. I know I'm west of the airport, and so what you do in, in a little plane like that, you have an instrument, kind of like a, a, a circular dial thing that you turn and you put it on a frequency that connects to a radio called a VOR back by the airport. It's a large cone, white cone-shaped antenna, and you dial in the radio frequency of that antenna, and then you, you, you fly, and as the needle lines up, it tells you the compass radio that you're on, and then on the chart, you draw a line from that radio tower on that that compass degree, like say 180 degrees, you draw a line from that one, you find another radio at another airport, and you tune in the frequency, and then you fly until the needle lines up, and now you know what the compass heading is from that radio, and so you draw a line from there, and where the two lines intersect, that's exactly where you are at, and folks, that's called triangulation. And I praise the Lord that God gave me an instructor that taught me how to find my way when I'm lost. And you see, that's exactly what Jesus did for Thomas. Because when Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to find our way there? Jesus had one response. His response was what? He said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. 
And in fact, he said, there's no way to the Father except through me. So you see what Jesus did is he gave them or he gave Thomas a signal of how to find his way in the midst of his life, in the midst of his lostness. And the signal was Jesus Christ. Amen. So what I'm saying this morning is that Jesus Christ, he is the way maker. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? I'm saying it because Jesus is the way maker to our father in heaven. He is the way maker to our Father in heaven. How do we have relationship with our Father in heaven? It is through Jesus Christ. In fact, look at verse 10. Go to verse 10 for me. We look at verse 10. In, in verse 10 we read, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Follow me. Listen to that. That the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing this work. And then later on in verse 16, we read, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And, of course, we know that advocate is who? That advocate is the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus is teaching us, if we are to, if we are to find our way in relation to Ship to our Father in heaven, then we will by the voice of the Holy Spirit connecting us to His Son, Jesus Christ. So by having a relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ, we can have relationship with the Father. So see, Jesus is, is directing our way here. He's given us the signal. When He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, it reveals to us that He is the way into relationship with our Father in heaven. Now, follow me on this, because Jesus is not done there. I mean, He's also given us more direction. He's also given us another signal that shows us the way to where? The way to eternity. If you're filling in the notes there, that's what you put in there. That Jesus shows us the way to eternity. In fact, Jesus says it like this. He says, He says, there's no, or he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we love the aspect, we love this idea that there is a place that is called heaven. I understand that. And I understand that as, as we are thinking about this, it's, it's kind of hard to, to imagine maybe. It's hard to, to, to process it in our mind that there is this place that is called heaven, especially in, in our day and age when we know so much according to science and we know the vastness of space and how limitless space is. We understand that. We've learned all kinds of things in regards to mathematics. And so we try to grasp, I mean, what does it mean when we say there is heaven? But we need to remember that the Bible teaches us that God is the creator of time and space. And so God, he lives and he functions outside of the dimension of time and space. And we talk about heaven that Jesus is talking to his disciples about, that I'm going there to pre- prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me where I may be also. This is the promise of Christ, that he is going to take us to this place that is called heaven. It's everlasting life. Amen. And we love thinking about that. We love thinking about the idea that there is heaven and there is a place where our soul experiences immortality. Amen. And, and that we have a hope. I mean, that that hope is in, in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus, he is showing us the way into relationship with our father in heaven, who is our creator. And our father in heaven is one who has known us from the very beginning. As I mentioned just a little bit ago, that he knew us in our fa- our mother's womb he created us. He knit us together. I mean, he, he made us special. He made every one of us very unique. And so what we see here, Jesus has shown us that you are created in the image of God. And therefore, you are special in God's eyes. Amen. You are special in God's eyes. And Jesus Christ has come that we might have life. But that life begins 
in relationship with our Father in heaven. So we begin in relationship with our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. We have the hope of everlasting life, the hope of eternity. But, but then there's another part here that sometimes I think we pause on or we hesitate on because maybe it's a little bit more challenging. And that is when Jesus shows us how or he shows us the way that we are to live our life. The way that we're to live our life. And, you know, we're in good company. I mean, the disciples, they were following Christ and the crowds were following and and they desired to follow the way of Christ. And they were a part of this new kingdom, the new exciting kingdom and the new empire that Jesus is speaking of. But you see, what they didn't get is that it was not the, the power and the kingdom that was of this earth like they they were imagining. But but Jesus is a part of a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that kingdom was greater and mightier than any kingdom on this earth. And Jesus was showing them that, that, that what this kingdom requires is that we take up our cross. And what Jesus did is he, he went to Calvary. He took up his cross. And, and Jesus died on the cross that we might have everlasting life. And see, Jesus shows us this is part of this faith or the way. And that's what this faith was called before it was called Christianity. It was called the way. And so the disciples were a part of the way. But soon as the crowds began to understand that being a part of the way meant they were to follow Christ to the cross, they they began to retreat. They began to back away because they didn't want to have to die to self. They didn't want to have to turn and and give up all the things that they thought was something that they wanted, but, but they were missing out on it all. And so what happens here is Jesus, he sets the example. And, and I would say probably the most outrageous claim that Jesus ever made, the most politically heated statement that he ever said, and the most narrow-minded uh, spoken word that he ever gave, especially in this culture today, were those words when he sent the signal to Thomas when he said, I am the way and the truth. And the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. I think the good news for us this morning is we we understand that Jesus sends the signal. He's given us the truth that he is the way, that he is the truth. He is everlasting life. Is that Jesus is also a savior that that relates to you. Jesus is a savior that is sympathetic with your life. And he he hurts with you and he, he, he has a desire to have relationship with you. And he really resonates with, with what you're going through. I, I love this little illustration I came across in an article. And the, the article was about sympathetic resonance. And, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. And, and what the article explained is if you had two pianos, say, in a concert hall, two, two baby grand pianos or grand pianos in a concert hall, and you were in there by yourself with the two pianos, this is what the article said, that if you, you were to strike a note on one piano... Even though you're only at this piano, you're not at this piano over here. But if you were to strike a note on this piano, that if you could observe it and you'd look closely, the wire and the note on this piano would begin to vibrate, even though no hand has touched this piano. And so what they were saying is that is sympathetic resonance. That if you strike this note, this note resonates. You see, that's the kind of resonance that Jesus has for you. That's the what happens. You know, Jesus is a, a savior that, that knows what you're going through in life. He resonates with you. He's empathetic for you. And he desires to have a relationship with you this morning. I, I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe you're in an upset attitude. And, and you've not really been on the straight and level. You've not really had balance in life for some time. 
But you see, the promise that Jesus gives us is not only loves us, but he wants to give us direction in life. Amen. He wants to give us purpose in life. And Jesus Christ, he can do that. He can give you direction. He can give you purpose when you say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I accept you. And it's possible you've been going 140 miles an hour. You've got everything lined up. You have your finances in order. You have all your degrees. But there is still something that is missing in your life. Well, folks, the answer for this world is Jesus. It always is. The answer is Jesus. And I want to invite you to meet this Savior that resonates with you, that can relate to you, a Savior that loves you and wants to be a part of your life. I want to invite you to meet Jesus today. You know, that, that's very personal. In fact, I want to invite us just to kind of reflect a little bit. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads together. And I want us to reflect on this Jesus that the Bible talks about that came many years ago. And he went to the cross. And he gave his life for all of mankind to say one thing. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. To say that he loves us. To say that he, he's dying for for me and for my sin and for you and your sin and for all those that repent of their sin and turn away from it and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will have their name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what the Bible says. That you can have your name written down in that Lamb's Book of Life. How do you imagine what that dimension, that place called heaven is like? What's beyond us? It's beyond us. I invite you to choose Jesus this morning. Once you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I believe in faith. I believe in you. And I'm going to follow you today. And I choose you. And I want you to become my Savior. I want you to live in my heart and my life. And if you choose Jesus, folks, it will change your life forever. It will transform you. And life will never be the same because you're choosing Jesus this morning. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, nobody looking around, I want to invite you just to quietly, in your mind's eye, just repeat after me. You have to say it aloud, just in your mind's eye. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I love you today. I believe in you. I thank you for being my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I don't understand it all. Some of it's confusing to me. But I'm in faith. I'm going to trust you. So, Jesus, I want to invite you. To come into my life. Jesus I want to follow you now. I want to be your servant. I want you. To be my savior. Say that in your mind's eye. Jesus I choose you. I want you to be my savior. And he will hear your prayer this morning. Whisper that to Jesus. Jesus I choose you. I want you to be my savior. I love you Jesus. I know Jesus that you bring balance and direction in life. No matter how fast I've been going, no matter how lost I am, Jesus, you bring direction in life. Thank you, Jesus, for answering this prayer. I want to invite us to stand.